Welcome to the Sellerman Podcast. My name's Sam Wilkin. Uh, over the next few weeks and months and hopefully years, I'm going to be travelling around meeting some of the UK's best producers. My background is as a cheesemonger, uh, so we will inevitably be focusing on the delicious cheeses that some of our top producers make. Uh, we'll also be meeting cider makers, brewers, bread makers, all sorts of different people. Uh, but this very first one uh, is with uh, a bit of a hero of mine, Andy Swinsco from the Courtyard Dairy. Uh, you may well have heard of, of the Courtyard Dairy. They're up in North Yorkshire, just outside Settle. And he's, uh, well, a fount of knowledge on, particularly on raw farmhouse cheeses. He's really supportive of new producers and traditional ma- methods of, of production. He sells primarily to uh, his, his loyal local customers, passing trade, a bit of restaurant trade. Now, we talk a little bit about his background in fine dining and how that led him into the world of cheese. Uh, how he's travelled around France and the UK learning from the very best, uh, the, the dark arts of cheesemongery. And uh, we, we just discuss his vision for the future, I suppose. Um, what he'd like the Courtyard Dairy to be, how his business operates now. And I hope you find listening to Andy as inspiring as I did talking to him. Uh, he's a, a real character and a really passionate and lovely guy. So enjoy. Cheers. Well, I'm here in the store cupboard, in fact, at the Cheese Bar in Camden with Andy Swinsco, who's literally just got off the train, come down from the Courtyard Dairy up in Settle in Yorkshire. Um, Andy's very kindly agreed to chat to me about, well, all sorts of things, really, but mainly... For me, his life in cheese. You might get a little bit of interference in the background, crying children and music, but we are we are in Camden, so it's uh, pretty lively. It's not my children. No, 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 no. We've both left our children at home for this one, I think, sensibly. Um, yeah, so Andy, you, you've come down. You've come down from the Courtyard Dairy. What, who have you left in charge? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we've got a nice little team now. I think that I was just talking to you about when we set up five years ago, it was just Cathy and I. And now we've just got to the stage where we've got, like, Debs has been working for us, like, the first ever employee, he's still there, and my wife's there as well. And, uh, yeah, it's a nice little team, and, and it can run without me. In fact, it probably runs better without me interfering, if I'm on a perfectly honest with you. So, it's, uh, but, yeah, but it's, it can still run without me. It's still very much mine, though, you know, I kind of am there every single day, and, you know, you know all your regulars, you've seen them every week, and it, it's quite nice in that regard. And, mm-hmm. I, and I, that's why I got back into doing retailing, really, because have that routine yeah that i mean i remember i visited you a couple of years ago now it's that interaction with the customers and you you know one of the major things about what you were doing is that you know everybody walks past the door samples something yeah. and and you know and suddenly they're drawn in and they're part of your whole i guess your passion really yeah. but let's go back those five years <laughs> and and uh well start close to the beginning i guess that's the beginning of the courtyard dairy yeah but you're my understanding your background is in a, is in hospitality is in yeah so I, I grew up in like a hotel restaurant mm. and um, and then from that I studied hospitality and catering and uh, yeah I wanted to kind of go down that route so I went and worked in Edinburgh in like little Michelin style restaurants up there we had a really good cheese board from uh, Mons because in those days I always remember at catering college you learnt about like cheeses and there was Leicester cheddar Stilton Gloucester, Cheshire, and that was it. That mm. was all that Britain made. And when, so when you're working like those top-end restaurants, even as little as 10, 15 years ago, you had cheddar and stilton from Britain and everything else was French. So we had mainly French cheese board, and we got it from Mons, who just set up in the UK at that time, but it, it came from their fronts. And that's kind of how I fell into cheese, really, was that hospitality, amazing little cheese board. And that was, yeah. But why, was, why cheese? It always interests me. Why, what's that? Was there a moment where you went, actually, do you know what? This I is for know, me. I think in that style of restaurant, 
I, could, I think I could have fallen into any food. I used to love, we used to have like trolleys for everything in that restaurant. We used to have a whiskey trolley, we had a bread trolley, we had a cheese trolley, we had a, we had a petit four trolley. They had just literally trolleys for every single thing. And it gave you a chance to talk to customers about those trolleys because uh, it was very much that old school fine dining. It, it was a really comfortable environment and you could talk to customers, but it was kind of lots of trolleys in, 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 that, in that regard. And um, I think throughout the majority of that style of restaurant, the chef is showcasing how amazing his food is. And then you get to the cheese course and it's actually time for the waiter and waitress, if you're professional, to go, actually, I take my job seriously. I've learned all this. I've visited a few of these farms. Let me show off what I can do, you know? And, and so that's kind of, I think, where it came from. I, I think I love food and I could have fallen into any type of food, but that kind of cheese. And then speaking to my old head chef, I remember him saying, oh, well, I don't think Britain has good enough cheese makers at the moment and good enough people to retail them. So I kind of, from that really sparked probably a little bit in my brain somewhere and it was kind of quite interesting. So I thought, well, I'm going to explore this a little bit more. And, and through exploring it, you ended up going to France uh, yeah. and actually working at, prior to that. Was it prior to that you went to Paxton's? Yeah, so I, would, I was working in hospitality and I wanted to kind of test the water, really. Uh, and so I thought, well, I've, I've got to be back in hospitality. I spent my life in it. I want to see whether it works. So I rang Ruri, who um, at the time was running Paxton's in Whitfield in London. And he had a background similar to me. He was in, he'd was spent his time in Edinburgh and in Mellis, very very similar, actually, Mitchell Star restaurants, mm. that type of thing. So he said, well, why don't you come down and do a couple of months with us, see whether you like it. And I did, really. So I came down and did a couple of months with Paxton's. That kind of linked me up with this scheme to give people scholarships to study traditional crafts. And that allowed me to go and do an apprenticeship abroad in France. I got this scheme from the Quest Scholarship, which allowed effectively mm. pay for me to go abroad and do a, a study cheese maturing in France, which was which is brilliant, which kind of set me off on the right route. And actually, there's not a lot of people within our industry who have, who have, I guess, done any sort of specific qualification because it doesn't exist in this country no. as yet. <laughs> no, I think it it was yeah, it was good. I mean, it was very much you know back. In, I was one of the first people to go abroad there and spend six months out there every single day working in a cheese cave. It was. It was, yeah, it was, it gave me a really good grounding and also made me understand that like when I came back to the UK and started to look at more British farms, it made me realise how much, like a small British farm, we tell like Graham Kirkham, small producer, 70 cows, you know, making with raw milk. Actually in France, he's a large producer. You know, I was visiting farms in France which had like 10 cows and that was, a, that was what they would consider a normal small producer. You know, so it was kind of a different, even... We talk about the British industry being um, growing and better and better, and it is, but there's still those farms in France which are just kind of almost like backward styles of farming which manage to exist and eke out a living from farming small herds of animals and just farming really traditionally. And I think that really opened my eye to that and, and trying to get that across into the UK. And, and yeah, that's, that's, that's so what would you say you're kind of, what's the driving ethos behind Courtyard Dairy if, if, if it's as simple as that is there a way of boiling no, it down I, don't, I think we um, we always say it's a hobby that went a bit wrong really um, so it's, it's uh, I mean, I've, I've met so many people that have said that but in other words yeah, exactly. like doing, so, doing so, this is yeah, spot it, on it was kind of um, we, I worked in France I loved it mm. I came back and worked for the fine cheese company uh, down in, in Bath and that right. gave me a lot of freedom it gave me freedom to go out and visit cheesemakers. And, and was that grading and, and yeah, selecting grading for Grading and them. selecting and talking to cheesemakers, really, because that was yeah. kind of their cheese expert at the time. They were a bit smaller company, and they wanted to increase the quality of their cheese. And uh, that, that basically, I had a free room to do a lot of things that I wanted to do, and it introduced me to a lot of British cheesemakers, a lot of upcoming cheesemakers. You know, people like Havard, when I first went to visit them, they were still making that old recipe, not what they're making now. Mm. And it kind of was really interesting in that regard. And then... Kathy and I said I wanted to go back north. She wanted to start a family or something. I wanted uh, like a nice head on my bitter. So we decided we'd go back north. And um, 
I want you to come and work in specialty cheese. Mm. What always caught my eye was that small farms adding value to their milk, and I just kind of loved it. I, I used to look. I like now. I love paying my bills because you know if I sell, you know, two thousand pounds, thousand pounds worth of Lancashire a month, then I'm paying somebody who I actually really like. Mm. You know, and I'm paying a small family farm. And you think, I always, I had a long chat with Martin Gott the other day about the value of small farming. Now Martin Gott is like twenty acres, right? He employs one full-time and one part-time, and then he and his wife employed full-time on the farm. This is St. James. Yeah, from St. Yeah. James Cheese. Yeah. That's three, three and a half jobs he provides of 20 acres, mm. right? There's farms with three, 400 acres that provide like um, one job, two jobs, because they're all that mass industrial farming. They're chucking loads of stuff on the farm, they're cutting mm. it. Martin provides four jobs in the middle of nowhere in Cumbria. Once a week, near the dairy, we go up and collect cheeses. Once a week, we go up and collect cheeses. We spend money in the local restaurant, the local pub, near the dairy, stay overnight. You know, all that money goes to that little rural community. And kind of all those things kind of click into place. It's like I'm from a rural community in Cumbria. Of like, that's kind of a method of farming and cheese making that I kind of want to keep alive. So when we set up our shop, we were kind of like, right, well, that's what we want to do, really. We want to kind of talk about those people. Because people come into our old shop, what it was then, and they go, do you do Manchego? Do you do Stilton? Do you do a cheddar well pretty much no we don't do any of them you know but we do do these small farms which you've never heard of um i mean some of them people have heard of quite a few of them nowadays but in those days it was kind of like it was really hard work and that how was, hard a sell is that i mean when you're yeah because well, you're educating as well as yeah selling. And, and i think you came up we've been open maybe two years when you came up yeah and i think the first year and a half two years were really difficult right they were difficult for kathy and i and i think that i always say when people come to visit us people think we're really good and i don't think actually we are that amazing and I think that's probably what drives us on in some regards but what we try and do is we try and do it simply it's very simple what we do but we have the courage of our convictions and we don't compromise and that kind of just you know a lot of people will compromise on the cheese range or compromise on what they're doing to sell more cheese but that courage of our convictions in the first two years made it really difficult because people come in the shop and you wouldn't have what they wanted. They'd never heard of you. They'd never heard of the cheese. Now it's easy. People have heard of us. People have heard of the cheeses we do. But it took us two years of educating people about mm. cheeses. Havard had never been sold in Yorkshire. Baron Bygod had never been sold full stop. We took the first mm. ever batch. You know, it's kind of like you have to. It's difficult because. How did that come about? How did how did Johnny get in touch with you from Fen Farm and, and how did jo- that work? Yeah. I don't know really. I think uh, people always ask me how we find. I mean, there are two. I'm in Waltham, so they're only two hours from me. And if their yeah. first batch is being bought by a cheesemonger in, yeah, I in think Yorkshire, it, yeah. well, because there's lots of reasons really. I think um, one is that I used to when I used to have a bit more time before I had kids and a, and a business. We used to go and do a lot with cheese, and I used to. You go to things like especially Cheesemakers Association, and you talk to people, and there isn't many raw milk, real farmhouse cheesemakers. I think I sat next to Johnny about ten years ago, about eight years ago. Uh, the science of artisan food, I remember less than that when Bronwyn won the first one. And then I sat next to him somewhere else, and then I think, oh, you know, he'd been on Ivan Larcher courses, um, like at the School of Artisan Food, mm-hmm. and they kind of just kind of link up, and then I started asking him questions, and, you know, it's interesting what he was doing, went to visit him, was really interested in it, and then said, right, well, I'll, I'll buy some. And the good thing is, with a small shop like mine, where those days, husband and wife team, no employees, we buy what we want. There's no buying structure or, you know, we don't have to approve the things. We buy it, we taste it, we sell it. It's that simple. So we, we tasted Johnny's cheese, we bought it and we sold it. There was no kind of, mm. uh, there's no complexity to do mm. it. You know, there's no, there's no, you cut out all that. In bigger firms, they have to have a buyer then it has to be approved by the quality assurance team and all types of things and it makes it more difficult. But in those days, our small little shop, we just go, 
like that two cheese tests, alright, we'll put it on the counter. It's not quite like brie, but I reckon I can sell that. It tastes yeah. lovely. You know, so, some, so something of the kafili about yeah, it. Exactly. It was, yeah, exactly. We used to sell it as like yeah. a kafili style <laughs> yeah. brie, you know, and it was uh, kind yeah, of... but you know, I think but, I think what was great, what really struck me when I was up there is is you know, I think you're, I, I get it. You're being you're being quite modest, and that's fair. But you look at the cheese counter; everything's beautifully kept, and you have. You know, you have such a perfect range of styles of cheese. So if somebody comes in and they want X, Y, or Z that everyone's heard of, you go, well, okay, but from what you've just said, I've got an idea of the sort of thing you'd enjoy. Yeah. So here we are. And suddenly, once you're introduced to that world, yeah. it opens up in front of the customer. And exactly. I mean, I have four cheesemongers who work for me now. There's Kathy and I, and mm. we have three full-timers and a part-timer. And I spend more time training them on what we don't do than what we do do. Mm. Because I go, right, so we do training sessions about once a month, and we sit down and we'll do one, one subject so like we might do Spain and we'll chase like Picos de Europa and uh, Manchego and all the famous Spanish cheeses that we don't do. So that my staff have a, an understanding of when somebody comes in and goes, I want Manchego, rather than going, no, we don't do that. They can go, no, I ain't got that, but have a taste of this. This mm. is like cashmere, it's a small little fine Southern Ireland, sheep's milk, hard, sweet and nutty. It's not the same, but it's much smaller production, you know, because they can, it's very easy to learn about the cheese that we do do because they can look them up and we take them to visit the producers. Yeah. But to learn about the cheese we don't do that they've never tasted, is more difficult so I think that's where we spend all our effort training really because it is to kind of still in our shop we, we have more five years in it's a lot easier and I always say that to cheesemongers who work for me now is that because people come in and they've they've been buying Harvard for five years some of our customers they know what it's like mm. they, they, they come in and they ask for that cheese mm. five years ago we didn't have that mm. you know so it kind of was that was more difficult and is that your primary kind of customer base because my sort of cheesemongery background is in more yeah. wholesale yeah. working with restaurants but is it, are you more retail yeah I online? think our business is originally we did the first year 100% retail and then we dripped in a little bit of wholesale and a little bit of mail because you were doing a like you know a handful when yeah, I visited no we still do about 25-30 customers wholesale right it's not an area we push um, we wanted to kind of have good restaurants locally mm. you know the best restaurants locally we wanted to supply them because we've got the best cheese locally so we kind of offered them a price that hopefully was good we offered them a really good service we offered them lots of training but I'm not really after growing and become some massive business that supplies people in the south of England because you actually don't make that much money from wholesale and restaurants of cheese and for us it kind of enables to turn over the cheese and it enables to have this really good relationship where we supply like a fantastic restaurant called the Forest Side up in Grasmere and they send more customers to us than they're like they're like a free marketing budget, you know. <laughs> yeah. and that's that because we're listed on the menu. It's one of the best restaurants in the UK consistently. Yeah. And it says people going there and eating having an eleven course tasting menu, or whatever, and, and then th halfway down it says the courtyard dairy cheese board. Mm. You don't get better marketing. Than no. That, you know, so no. so we do wholesale, but only to people that that will bring us that benefit. Yeah. Right. You know, and and and, and so that's kind of where it sits for us. We don't really push it. It's about twenty percent of our business wholesale. About 20% of our business is our new cafe, and about 20% is mail order online. Mail order online tends to be customers who already know us and are visitors. We don't tend to chase new business because we can't. We're not as good as the likes of Pong and Neil's Yard Dairy who have big online presences mm. and have a much bigger cheese range and can supply that cheese range really easily. What we're good at is a very small, selective cheese range and knowing that really well. And to sell that dream to people, it's easy when they visited us, mm. but to sell it direct online is quite hard. Yes. So it tends to be our mail order businesses, all people who might not necessarily be local, but people who've been in our shop at some stage. Yeah. And so that's about 20%. And 40% of our business still our bread and butter is our shop. Right. You know, people who come in the shop every day. And you've got, so on site now, so when I visited before, it was, I mean, it was kind of a dream 
setup really you had this know, great yeah. well okay from the outside <laughs> from, from the, outside, the consumer yeah. <laughs> you know you, you turn up you've got this great cheese shop there's a really really good wine shop fantastic range of wines good beers there was a tweed shop i think just yeah, for, tweed, for, for your blanket needs and, and a really nice cafe upstairs and so what have you got now so we set up there and we've initially set up and it was actually our original shop was smaller than the store room we're in now and right. um, 16 meters squared but it's all we could afford the rent was four grand a year setup cost three to four grand it was like a two-year lease, we sent up from scratch. All our market research said, fine, ours is on premium cheese, wouldn't work and settle. So it was like, market research said, don't do it. But we thought, sod it, we're gonna take a punt. And we know our product, and we did it. And, um, uh, and there's a bit of a gut feeling really. And then we slowly but surely built up that customer base. And then about a year ago, to about two years ago, our business had grown to a point where it was just, we just couldn't fit customers in anymore. You know, our shop was that small. We were too busy and we couldn't do the wholesale and mail order. We were starting at seven o'clock in the morning, two cheesemongers would start at seven, two would start at 10. And literally you couldn't move in that shop. You had to like four people, you've been in there when there's three mm, people behind mm. the counter, four people every day of the week. It's like ballet. Yeah, Everything. it was like ballet. <laughs> was, but just, you have to be very aware of everything that's going on around we're, you. We're northerners, we didn't do ballet. It was kind of like ballet, barding. Ballet and clubs. Yes, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hitting each other more like, move, shift. Yeah. It's, um, it's, uh, but, and we just got to that point where our lease was coming to an end. Yeah. And with the business had grown a little bit, the bank would finally give us some money. They wouldn't five years ago because mm. we had a good trading history. And we wanted to stay and settle. We had a young family by then and we wanted to continue doing what we're doing. And down the road, there was this new, there was this old Falcon Center that had kind of gone completely derelict, almost uh, fallen down. It hadn't been able to sell it. It was massive. It was way too big for us. But it had a house attached and it allowed us a bit of opportunity. So we bought that and we got an EU grant to refurbish all the inside and we so we put in a shop not much bigger than our old shop but just about a bit of extra space behind the counter and glass windows so you could felt bigger because we put the same counter back in because i didn't want a bigger shop i mean we were busier i didn't want a bigger shop because i felt like that small counter forced me to be specialist and forced me mm. somebody comes with a new cheese you go right we can't fit it on this counter mm. is it better than what we do does it fit into our ethos better is it farmhouse raw milk that's what we that's the first things we look for is it local that's the third thing we look for or flavor farmhouse raw milk local that's the four things right if it fits all of them is it better than what we've got if it is right we'll have to make a difficult decision if it isn't then we don't have room for it you know so it's um and that's why we kept that counter really small so we've got the same counter we've got the same equipment also because i'm a yorkshireman and using the same equipment then i don't have to buy it twice so it's um but and then so we put in the same cheese shop and then we put in a museum because i feel like well, some people get a bit of money and they get a car or they go on holiday and then I felt like I wanted a museum. So that's what I did with my bit of money. I put a little museum on site just to tell the story of farmhouse cheese because I think people are still so disjointed from where their product comes from and what is a farmhouse cheese and what is a walnut cheese. So we've got a little museum telling that story, which is twice the size of the shop. <laughs> and um, we've got a little cheese making room that we used to run courses on cheese making and we are about to like lent it, uh, rent it out to a, a member of my staff who's leaving to kind of start making cheese by himself. Right. So that's really exciting, but he's going to use that for it. And right. then upstairs we've got a little cafe and then we live on the back of the building. And we've got a little bit more space for maturing cheese in there as well, like hidden away. Because um, where were you maturing before? Because there's nothing on site. Down the road, yeah. So we could yeah. Fit, I mean, it started out, we could mature everything on, in the shop because the shop was refrigerated. Because we sold so little cheese, mm. you could fill the shop up with cheese. Yeah. And you could fill the shop up with cheese and um, you'd be keeping it long enough. But the more cheese you sell, the more space you need. Mm. And so we're lucky that one of the girls who worked for us, her brother had a farm and he was a meat. Um, he used to cure his own meat, he farmed his own meat and then used to hang it and cure his own meat, but he'd stopped doing that, he just farmed it. So he had a whole 
meat curing fridges that we cleaned down it really just fell so many some things are down to luck and it fell yeah. we had these meat curing fridges that we took over in his farm and we just put hard cheese in there um, and that's the only thing we mature things like Killeen and Kirkham's to bring them on a bit and now we still have a bit there but mainly it's done on site now and we're looking at the next stage of my project I've just managed to persuade my wife after a year of living in the focus center well it was a focus center that our living room should be converted into a cheese maturing room and so we're going to do that next so that's the next project um, so it's to, it's to convert so are your powers of persuasion pretty well no it took a year or? it took a year right. so and originally she was like no no but the, the living room is double height so I'm like well we could put another floor in make our living room smaller and make the bottom floor yeah all cheese maturing and then and, and it took it took me a year I've been I didn't go straight in with that it was just this, it started off with this living room's a bit big yeah. you know we're losing all that height we should put a floor in you know and yeah. then slowly away and now now I've got approval so just need the money really, so because that's something that uh, is, is interesting to me so when you yeah. were in France you would have been much of your day-to-day -day would have been learning about you know the affinage the maturation of cheese and yeah. you know bringing it on that seems to be a much you know bigger deal shall we say in France the heroes are the people who bring the cheese from yeah. from, from there to the customer but, but here I, it's slightly I think, different well I think one of the reasons there's quite a lot of reasons in that but one of the reasons is when early on I talked to all those farms are so small when you've got 10 cows you ain't got time to sell your cheese you know so you're relying on that middleman to come and collect all your cheese we have this great relationship and Martin got the classic example he's only got 100 sheep right he has three customers, Us, Neil's Yard and Camel Cheeses. Ideal world because all three of us turn up once a week, we pretty much clear them out of stock and we pay them in a couple of weeks. He doesn't have to run around mm. selling a bit here, selling a bit there, find another customer, chasing that bill. You know, he doesn't, because he, he makes so little and he can sell it at a premium. So that's a perfect example for me of, of how it would have happened in France. And then it went to three affineurs and they would mature mm -hmm. it. And they, so it takes all the stress out of the farmer. So the farmer can concentrate on farming and making the cheese yeah. and not worry about marketing, sales, mm. tasting out. And in, in Britain industry, because we have bigger farms and we've, because of the way the milk marketing board was set up originally and collapsed, people went to selling direct and it kind of meant that each farm, in many regards, got a much better, I think the farmers have got a much better position because rather than buying Comte, you buy Montgomery's. And so the farmer has a name and a brand of his product, whereas Comte, the Comte producers don't because mm. people ask for Comte rather than asking for with Jacqueline or, well, Master Petit has a good name, but you know, in those regards. Um, so, and I'm really not interested in Asian cheese too much I, because I think it just, all you do is you lose weight, you lose volume, you have to mature it, you have to flip it, you have to wash it, and it needs care. And it costs money to run the fridges, it costs money to do it. And that is kind of like, if, if you're not going to improve the cheese, what's the point? Mm. And so a lot of cheesemakers are selling their cheese in great condition, so why would I? You know, we sure. buy a lot of cheeses where I don't need to eat your cheese. Fantastic. Yeah. Brilliant. I don't have to do it. Some cheesemakers don't. Killeen, she can sell all her stock at three months. Back in the day, she used to sell it to me at 12 months, but now she's got such a good customer base, she sells it three months. The cheese tastes so much better with nine months on it, mm -hmm. you know? So we've aged that because she won't. Right. Because uh, she can sell it three months, she'd get the money then. Do you, you I know? mean, I can cut this out if, if you'd rather, yeah. but um, it, it interests me in terms of when you're buying from a, a, a producer at a much younger age, yeah. presumably you're getting a better price, or is it the same price? No, but because most cheese? people are buying at that age anyways. Right. So, like, Killeen is selling it in three months. Right, okay. So, and she, because she's got the demand, she has never dropped her price, which is fine. Sure. So, 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 if I want to buy it, I've got to buy it in three months, I've got to pay that price. Yeah. And, but I take it into 12 months. Do I add a premium for aging it? Yeah, I have to add, mm -hmm. I have to add a premium. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in Mons, they used to calculate, I can't remember, it's something like 50p a kilogram a month. Right. You know, okay. something like that. Yeah. They'd worked out the weight loss and the labor and everything like that. Yeah, yeah. 
And um, so we add in, we have to factor that in because I've had that. But the yeah. cheese, hopefully, after nine months, tastes a lot better. Yeah, and it and merits that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some people I have a cheddar, what I do with them is that I select at 11 months and they keep it for me. And I promise to pay them from the selection at 11 months. Yeah. Does Graham do that as well? Is that Graham does that little bit. He yeah. selects out stuff for me. We have a problem with Graham is that we're always playing catch up with Graham. Every, every cheese maker is different, just mm. like every member of staff is different. Mm. So some like Colleen, I have to take it off, I have to age it myself. Mm. Some like Havard, they'll keep it for me. Brilliant. Mm. You know, so that's a much... They, that's better for me because it stays in their store, it stays in their ambience, yeah, right. it stays in how they're looking after it traditionally. Mm. It's a more of a reflection of that farm. Sure. I prefer that actually. Sure. Um, some people like Graham, you almost need to go and wrestle it from him because you know because he's Graham. I love Graham. I think he makes one, yeah. he's one of the best cheesemakers in the UK, yeah. and I think he makes it look easy. I think when you ever visit Graham Kirkham, you well, kinda, I had a great day there after yeah. I was with you, and uh, I was there for two and a half hours, and we had breakfast, and, yep. and, and breakfast was golden Graham's yep. with raw milk. Yeah. Like pretty much fresh. Yeah. Oh, it was just the best breakfast I've ever had. Well, it was no, amazing. I, I always remember uh, <laughs> when I used to visit Graham about ten years ago for breakfast every morning. He would get his mum to make him bread with bacon on it and then melted Lancashire and then Ooh. for lunch she would have like a quiche and then like three years later he had a heart attack yeah right since that it's all, now you get golden since that he's gone yeah, yeah. I'm like, ah. yeah. it's still lovely but you're like well, but there we go so, I was uh, half expecting a kind of you know ripping yeah, know, farmer's, farmer's fry up farmer's fry up yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair they used to, that's how it used to always be right. until until it, it just yeah, it feels wrong on Christmas Eve and that was it so oh, it's um, you still get a big lunch don't get me wrong but yeah so <laughs> it's um, they cut back on breakfast a little bit um, but yeah so yeah, so yeah, for him, so for like him, mm. I have to go and get it for him because Graham is one of the best. And I see him; he makes. I always think if you visit Graham Kirk and you think this cheese making life is looking easy, as he's been doing it 18 years. Mm. You know, he's he's over 40. He spent all his life on that farm. Mm. He makes it look easy. Mm. You know, and when you start to learn more about cheese, you realise just how much he has in his head. And just by walking through that dairy and just a couple of little touches, mm. he knows what's going on. Yeah, he doesn't make it look like he you knows what he does. It's fantastic. No, it was a very. Um yeah, obviously it's hard work, but it, it felt as an atmosphere. It was very relaxed. It was very yeah. just like everyone knew what they needed to do. They did yeah. it, and everyone went home at the end of it. You know, it's just okay. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got these. We went round the, the maturing sort of barn, I suppose. Yeah. You know, and it's. I mean, it's one of my absolute favourites. It's a hard question for a cheesemonger. What's your favourite oh. cheese? But that would always be up there. It would be for me. It would be a desert island cheese because mm. it's never my favourite Kirkham's, but it's actually if I go and shopping morning, I have a big chunk of that. Mm. You know. And if I've got anything in my fridge, it would be Kirkham's. Yeah. Because it's just consistently brilliant. Eat it any time. Mm. Fantastic. Mm. It's just fabulous. Um, I just think it's, it's, the, it's the one cheese that you can kind of have at any time. It's a good, such a good staple and it's consistent. But yeah, so and it, but you visit other cheesemakers, like you'll visit Jody and Dulcia, if you haven't already, or Havard, and they analyse everything. And, they, and they're looking at the make sheets, they're looking at how yeah. they're doing it, and they take it so seriously, and they make that's the way they make brilliant cheese. And you visit Graham and you think, how come he doesn't make, how come he doesn't do any of that and he makes brilliant cheese but that's that's I always say a scientist can make Kirkham's Lancashire and make every other cheese Graham Kirkham can only make Kirkham's Lancashire mm. but nobody can make it quite like him no because he's done it 40 years on that farm they've been 18 years he's been making cheese yeah you know before that his mum made cheese and he helped in the dairy that's it's you, in can't, his blood. you know and yeah. but you, you're connected to the farm you're connected to the animals that's what I love about cheese that's what you know you probably hear it but you know it's um that's why I love selling cheese like that mm. because you know, he just knows that cheese inside and out. I think what's so it really strikes me, we're talking about Graham, who's incredibly established, has yep. been making cheese for a long time. And so when I came to visit you, there was a young couple, Claire and Tom, yep. who I think were right at the beginning of their kind of cheese making, yep. that's a terrible word, journey. Yep. Uh, and, you know, clearly up against it. And, and, and it, 
sort of became clear that the courtyard dairy had another role, particularly locally, is to kind of yeah. encourage, constructively criticise, and, and hopefully bring on a, a sort of new generation of, yeah, of cheesemakers. Well, and, and I mean, how? I think how do you, you feel about those relationships? No, I, think that, I think that is where when you talk about we did we had a business we've had lots of business advice for years, and the government gave us this really great screen, which kind of came down and said, right, where what do you want? What where do you want to be? What do you want to be in ten years' time? How much do, how much do you want your turnover to be? I'm really not that bothered, you know. It's as long as I can pay the bills, have a good standard of life for my family, and it sounds lovely. And I have to make a profit because otherwise, we don't make a profit, we don't exist. Mm. You know, it's that simple. So don't get me wrong; I'm aware of the profit margins. Um, but you look at some cheesemongers like a Patrick Rance, and they have this legacy that exists to this day. You know, Patrick Rance hasn't been around for 20 years. You know, he wrote his book in the 80s, and still people talk about the influence he had on British cheese. And I was like, in the, in the business, I was like, that's what we'd like. I'd like people in 20, 30 years to go, Courtyard Dairy, do you know what? They were really good for British cheese. They helped small little farms. You know, and yes, we have to make a profit. Yes, I have to make a living. But actually, that's where I'd like to be, you know, and that's the part that I enjoy. You know, I enjoy coming out and visiting farms and seeing them. And so, yeah, Tom and Claire came to us, and we've done it with like three or four farms now, and I'd like to do it with even more because you have this multiplier effect. When the wine shop was there and we set up next door to it, all of a sudden there was more of a reason for people to come there. And then all of a sudden, you know, they've got a bread man who comes once and delivers bread into settle. And all of a sudden, you start to get this more of a new interest. And then all of a sudden, the local farms who've got not much money go, oh, we can make cheese, this, you know. And then all of a sudden, you have more cheesemakers in the area, you know. And then all of a sudden, you're helping an industry. And it's, it's not me, it, it's the customers who come and buy it who are prepared to spend a premium, which it is a premium for good cheese, you know, and prepared to listen to us ramble, ramble, ramble on about it. You know, and then we are just facilitating that between the farmer. And we're, we're required to be the, the man who sells the, well, I'm the marketing budget for a farmer, I always think, you know, mm. because that's what we're doing. You know, they don't have bad brands, they don't have, they don't have free samples, they don't have point of sale material. They rely on me going, well, you, you've heard of Wednesday, I'll well, try this. It's, it's not quite like Wednesday, but it's made a smaller farm, it's down the road. So yeah, um, if I can, back to, the, back to the question, sorry, I always go off on tangents. But the, uh, yeah, that's the part that I'd really enjoy doing. Mm. And you know, it, it pride, it, there's a bit of pride in looking at a farm and seeing that it makes cheese and makes a good cheese, mm. and you've been involved on that. So Claire and Tom came to us. We changed what they were doing completely. We got an old Wednesdale recipe. They'd been a one-day cheese-making course, and they were not making great cheese. And that was that's the difficult part: is going to somebody and saying, "Look, you're not making great cheese," especially when they invested their lifeblood into it. You know, and their money. They were they were quite a few thousand pounds in debt, and say, "Look, I can help you make good cheese, but you have to accept for the next six months, maybe a year." you're gonna to continue to make bad cheese and you're gonna lose money. And they were prepared to accept that. It was, it was tif difficult and they were prepared to change what they were doing. And some people aren't, some people are. And so I was prepared to work with them. So we took them to visit Graham Kirk and we, we changed them onto using a different starter bacteria, which is a traditional British starter bacteria. Mrs. Kirkham, we went with her and visited them and, and their dairy was too cold. We, we analyzed about, we went, spent the day making cheese with them and we found about six or seven problems that were, could make cheese better instantly, warm up the dairy, get a lid for their vat, change the starter bacteria. All the little things and all these, uh, get a milling machine, they were breaking it up by hand in those days, right. that milling machine. And it took them so long to break it mm. up, the curd was changing massively as yeah, they were yeah. doing it. And all those things are little investments, but their cheese improved. Mm. And now their cheese is very good. It's, uh, you know, I'm happy to have it on my counter. Um, we, you know, and at some stage, two years ago, the cheese was okay, it wasn't great. But I feel like some stage you have to, I'm trying to find a polite phrase, but sometimes you need to put your balls on the table, you need to get your bollocks mm. out. Mm. And, um, and I felt like they were going down the right direction, it was time to put money where mouth was and buy some cheese. Mm. You know, give them some money. You know, mm -hmm. so, sure, yeah. you know, so, because yeah, yeah, rather yeah. than going, 
yeah, you're doing that great, you're doing that great, you're doing that great. Now I'm still getting to buy your shoes, it doesn't taste nice enough. Yeah, right. You've got to go, actually, it tastes okay now, still not amazing, I'm not going to buy it consistently, but I'm going to buy that whole batch because you're doing the right thing. You know, because otherwise they'll go, well, actually, I was selling it waxed on a market mm. a year ago, anyways, and now I'm not selling anything. Mm. You know, so we bought it and it wasn't amazing, but it was good. And then it's still evolving. It, it evolved all last year. It took a little turn for the worse at the end of the year. Then it took a turn for the better again. And uh, and Claire is getting into cheese making, making it twice a week every week now, mm. and selling all their stock. You know, and uh, we are their biggest customer. And then Niels Yardere, uh, and that's a nice thing. But that's, you know? I mean, I mean, they're selling to the right people. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, they're, they're making raw milk cheese, traditional star bacteria. Yeah, and and and. They've got four young kids. They don't want to sell on the farmer's market. In fact, they've stopped doing it now because we're selling enough. Mm. And because, you know, they've got four young kids. They milk every day. They've got lambs to lamb as well and sheep to look after. Mm -hmm. They've got cows to look after. They don't have time to go and sell cheese on a farmer's market. Whereas now I go up once a month and choose what I like and bring it back. Yeah. Um, but even then, like last month, I went up and chose what I liked. But there were some old batches that were not quite as good. But we took them because otherwise they're going to sit there. And, they, you know, you've got to think, actually, we've got to give some money back to that farm. And so... We'll put them on cheese boards, we'll do something different with them. Tonight at the tasting in the cheese bar in London, we're going to taste two different batches of Fellstone and we're going to look at the differences between them because they're, because they're vastly different. Mm. You know? But they're going in the right direction. Two years' time, three years' time, everybody will be talking about it. And then, then they, they won't remember me, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll go and find another yeah, little yeah. farm to help. Yeah, so, yeah. It's <laughs> so it's fine. Um, so it's fine, so it doesn't matter. So I suppose I was going to ask, what, just to kind of round off really, what what's your ambition i mean you've kind of answered the question really but your ambition for i guess the future of, of courtyard dairy and yeah. perhaps a, a back, legacy i suppose yeah back to that annoying consultant and he was like um, annoying but useful annoying but useful yeah. but well, he didn't really like us because we didn't we weren't his standard client who just wants to make turnover and mm. increase profitability and reduce the costs which consultants are good at doing all those things we're like no well actually we'd like to kind of um we worked out that in order to have a real impact on British cheese and the impact on farmers, we had to sell more cheese. Because it's all very good and well me helping Fellstone, but unless I can sell significant quantities of their cheese, it doesn't make a difference. You know, I have to be able to go up there and say, look, I'll buy a thousand, two thousand miles worth of cheese. If you're buying 30 quid, 100 quid, it doesn't matter. And as a small shop as we were, we couldn't do. And so we thought, well, we have to get a bit bigger if you want to make that impact. And now we're at a stage where we are a bit bigger. Um, I don't want to get much bigger. I like knowing all my staff. We've now gone. We had four members of staff when I got 16. I like knowing them all, I like knowing all of them, I like knowing all my suppliers, but we would like to sell a bit more cheese still. I don't know how we're gonna do that, but that's kind of that's kind of the way we do it. The end dream, we've got Sam who works for us, who's gonna stop working for us and start making cheese. We've got 10 acres of land, so it allows him to set up making cheese. So the next stage for us really is to, to help him. And it would be really nice if somebody could come to our spot, buy all farmhouse cheeses, but one is made by a lad who doesn't work for us anymore, but he makes it in our cheese making room and he uses animals on our land. And we're hoping that it'll use traditional Yorkshire animals like Wednesday breeder sheep. And I think that completes the story for me. Mm. And I think that would make it really good. Um, yeah, we still need to get busier, don't get me wrong. It sounds like our business is perfect, but you know, I still have bills to pay. You know, we still have difficult months. But um, I'd like to sell more cheese, a little bit more cheese. I'd like to help more people. And I'd like to get some on his route as well. I think those are the three things that we're aiming for the next five, 10 years. And to get day off. You know, so uh, that's that, that's, that. That's the achievable. That's so the peak. That's the peak. That's yeah, the peak. that's the peak. Well, look, well, your time is precious. So no, thank, thank you, you for speaking to me today, Andy. That's great. My pleasure. And I look forward to your tasting. Well, thank Cheers. You. Thanks for listening to the Sullivan Podcast, and thanks, of course, to Andy Swinscoe for taking the time to have a chat with me. Um, 
He's a busy man and it was great to get him sat down for half an hour and just uh, share his thoughts. Thanks, of course, to the Cheese Bar in Camden uh, for making uh, their store cupboard available and for being fantastic hosts on the evening and putting together a great event. Uh, yeah, so if you want to find out more about Selman, go to selman.co.uk or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at selmansam and you can find out all the exciting things we're doing with cheese and all the lovely drinks that go with it. Uh, next time, uh, we're talking cheese and cider. Look forward to speaking to you then. Cheers.